maybe when you went to school, you know, when I went to school, things weren't as technologically advanced as they are today. And so teachers took attendance in a, on a piece of paper the old-fashioned way. And I don't know, maybe, I can't remember, honestly. My teachers, if they said, you know, called the names and you said president or whatever, it's a little bit different in school today. We have this computer program that does attendance, and um, I've got a little seating chart, and I can just touch the kids' faces, or um, some days what I do is I just put it up on the, on the smart board, and there's the attendance sheet, and when the kids come in, they just go up and they touch it. They just touch their face, and that means that they're there. And every once in a while, I'll hear the kids, they come in, and I'll have that set up there for them to check into school for the day. All they got to do is go check. And they'll say, hey, hey, Timmy, can you can you touch me so I'm in? You know, check me in for the day. Um, when you think about heaven, you know, your name has to be in the Lamb's book of life. It has to be there because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no saying, hey, Timmy. Can you do me a favor and make sure that I'm ready for heaven? It doesn't work that way, does it? You have to be personally responsible for that. And someday, book is going to be open. The Lamb's Book of Life. And where's your name written there? We're talking about, about Elisha. The death of a prophet leaving a legacy. And we started that this last week. And as I was doing my note, my note, going through my notes, I had planned for one week. And I realized when I got about halfway through that there's no way I was going to finish by noon. And so I cut it about halfway through my notes. So I want to review what we talked about last week. We talked about the end of the life of Elisha. We've had this journey with Elisha for a while. And he's nearing the end of his life. Reminds me of other people in the scriptures who neared the end of their life. Probably the most prominent was Paul. As he's writing books, as he's nearing the end of his life to leave behind a legacy to Timothy. And we find a guy by the name of Elisha who was faithful to the end. He died well. He surrendered to the will of God at whatever the cost. We talked about some of these things last week. He's willing to give his all to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He followed his master with total loyalty. There is no record that Elisha ever complained against God. He never lapsed in immorality. He remained a faithful man of prayer. He was sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I look at that and I say, that is the kind of person I want to be remembered at, at, as the, I near the end of my life. And so I work hard to make sure that, that those are the things that I'm living for. A prayer warrior. To be pure. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. To follow the Lord with loyalty. Wouldn't you like to have this list available at the end of your life? And I don't think that it's too late for us to live for the Lord. No matter how, if we're even if we're closer to death than we are to, to our birth. 
we can still live for the Lord and be remembered as someone who lived for the Lord. We talked about uh, last week about how when you meet a Christian, when you run into a Christian, you are talking to someone who is in the midst of a journey on their way home, on their way to heaven. And that excites me that every time I talk to you guys, we are all on the same journey together. Isn't that, that's so exciting. We are, we are in this together. We're on our way home. And though the struggle seems, we're like, we're like marathon race runners in the midst of the journey. And we can help each other get to the end. And when we cross that finish line, it's going to feel good, isn't it? So, but anyways, we talked about how uh, that we need to make sure that we are, have that desire to die well. Uh, Balaam, we talked about that last week, about the guy that talked to the donkey. He prayed that um, he would die the death of the righteous. And then we began talking about the realities of the fact that death is, could be one step away from any single one of us. But as long as we are working for the Savior, as long as we believe in Jesus Christ, we are, one of the first truths I like us to think about is that we are immortal until God's finished with us. If God's not done with you, cancer can't stop you. Disease can't stop you. Sickness can't stop until God's finished with you. And when he is, he'll call you home and you'll be in heaven forever with him. And those things can't touch you anymore. And it's over. It's finished. Last week we talked about how statistically 100% of people are going to die. And the next thing we talked about was heaven could be now. We could be just one step away from heaven. Are you ready? If it's true that you are immortal until God desires and wants to take you home, it's also true that the next step could be your last. And tomorrow you could be in heaven with Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Are you ready? And then last week as we finished, we, we talked about how there's two men that we might get mixed up with. Elijah and Elisha. I don't know about you, but I've gotten those two guys mixed up on many occasions. I probably said Elijah when I've been talking about Elisha in the last few weeks. And I, I understand why. Their names are so close. But as we look at them, the two ways that these guys went to be with the Lord are very different. Elijah, the first one, was raptured. He was snatched away. We were talking in our Sunday school this morning about how the word in the Greek is the word harpazo, to snatch away. And in Latin, raptura, and then in, in English it became rapture. You won't find the word rapture in the Bible, but the concept is there. That God will take, is Jesus Christ is one day going to remove the church from this earth. And this week, I don't know, I hope you read the prayer focus update. And as you read the prayer focus update this week, I, I had a lot of verses from Revelation because I was reading in Revelation this week. And as one day as I was 
working on stuff for the bulletin. I, I needed to get a picture for the bulletin. I wanted to put a picture of the church updated in black and white in the bulletin. And you can see it on the back page. And it was a nice, you know, I, I had this little program that cut out the picture. When I cut it out, it removed, all it did was, it was kind of neat because I was just expecting it to be like white where it took the church out. But it put like a parking lot in there and like a blue sky. And I thought, wow, that's kind of neat. And I put, sent that out on the prayer focus update. That's the picture I took out of the one that I sent you guys. And one day, Jesus Christ is going to snatch the church. It's coming. He's not going to take this building. But I'm hoping, my hope, is that he'll take everyone in the building. That's my hope. That's what I want. That's why I chose to serve the Lord with my whole life. So that people would come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's what I want. It's my desire. That's why I go the extra mile to make phone calls and visit people and love on people. is because I want people to know Jesus Christ. And if the rapture were to happen today, I hope that there would be no person left sitting here. Elisha experienced death. Elijah was a picture of what it meant to be raptured when that fiery chariot came and took him home to be with the Lord. The last thing we talked about last week was every day we live brings us a day closer to heaven. So that means last week when we talked about this and this week, we're now seven days closer to heaven. That's exciting. Now, we might not want to go through all the things that are going to face between now and heaven. I understand that. That road is not an easy one. But it'll be worth it. And I'd like us to think about this concept. If we are closer, we are nearer to heaven than we were yesterday. We need to be living for the Lord. Whether we are living or dying, we need to belong to the Lord. Wherever God has for you today, even if this is the last day that you have on this earth, live it for the Lord. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14, Verses 7 and 8 says, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live, or die, we are the Lord's. We need to belong to Jesus Christ. Your life belongs to Jesus Christ. Your work, your family, your finances belong to the Lord. So today as you live, there, there is so much talk today about doing things for yourself, to make yourself Feel good. 
And I, I understand part of that concept. I understand that you have to work on yourself. You have to make sure that you are living righteously. That you are taking care of the problems and the difficulties in your life so you can be better prepared to help others. I, I understand that concept. I think it's biblical. You know, Jesus Christ said, you need to deal with the beam that's in your eye before you try to take the sliver out of your neighbor's eye. I understand that. But at the same time, this as we live this life here on earth, I find no place in Scripture that it is supposed to be self-serving. That the things that you do are just to please yourself. I don't find that. I find if a person will follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So we live for the Lord. And when we begin to live and serve others and serve Jesus Christ, we find true fulfillment. We find that Jesus Christ, when we're following and we're living in his plan, will provide us peace. He'll give us that comfort. Even in the midst of the hard times, we can endure because we are living the will of Christ. So if Christ has you here on this earth today, and we're getting one step closer to heaven and one step closer to heaven, and one step closer to heaven, be walking with the Lord. Be living for the Lord. Do things that will last for eternity. Don't you want to see Jesus Christ and have him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. That's what we should long for. As we think about and we prepare for eternity. So all that being said, we've talked about the rapture. We would all love it if the rapture happened today. At least I hope, at least I hope you all long for the rapture today. What that would be, we, we just sang this song. What a day, glorious day that would be. My Jesus, I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. If it were right now, I wouldn't complain, and I hope you wouldn't either. Could be today. Or, Jesus Christ may tarry for another 20 years. He might wait. He's waited 2,000 years. Another 20 years might be in his agenda. And maybe God will call us home through various other means. I understand. And the whole concept that I've come to. The timing. And mode of our departure as a Christian will be just right. When we go to live with Jesus Christ forever, it will be just right. And if that is, if that is the way you live, if that is the way you and your spouse live, and you begin to think about that, and heaven is your home, and a loved one goes to heaven to, live, to be with Jesus Christ, you would never wish them back. I talked to someone yesterday who lost 
who lost a loved one. They, they absolutely knew Jesus Christ is their Savior. And they know that that person is in heaven and no more suffering. The cares of this world are gone. They might say, I miss, I have that void of my partner in life who I talked to, who I shared everything with. But I wouldn't want him back for a second. They're in heaven rejoicing with Jesus. Praise the Lord. How wonderful. Jesus called them home. And as we live our lives, we need to trust that the timing and mode of our departure will be just right. If Jesus wishes to take me home in the rapture today, I'll say hallelujah. If Jesus wishes to take me home in another manner, his timing and his plan will be just perfect. Another thing that I've come to learn and I've come to know, death for a believer is comparatively unimportant to someone who does not know Christ. For a person who does, who knows Jesus Christ, if they believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, they take one step from this world and they enter into heaven and they, they just continue that relationship with Jesus, just take all the cares of the world and just say goodbye to Him. You know, it's just... I love the way the Bible describes it. You get to the New Testament. And Jesus talks about Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus is sleeping. The disciples don't get it. And Jesus has to spell it out to them in earthly terms. Lazarus is dead, guys. But then you read about Jesus Christ and the teachings of Paul. And they so often compared Death to sleep. Go to sleep here in this world and you wake up in heaven with Jesus forever. That's what Elisha would have experienced. I got a quote here by Matthew Henry. He whose head is in heaven need not fear to put his feet into the grave. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the moment of our passing takes on whole new meaning. We're going to be in heaven with Jesus forever. The thing that we've longed for, the thing that we've cared for. In this story, in 2 Kings chapter 13, let's go back to our key text. 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. Let's read this again and let's take a look at this. It says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, O oh my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it, and Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and 
have destroyed them. Then he said, Take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. And Elisha died and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. In in this passage of scripture, we come to the end of Elisha's death. And Joash, the king of Israel, goes down to meet him. I gotta, I gotta ask you. Look at this. King Joash came and paid his last respects to Elisha. My question for you today is, would you rather be remembered as Elisha or King Jehoash? Which one? Let me ask you this. Before today, before we were sitting here, how many of you were pretty familiar? You've heard of a story, the story of Elisha before. How many of you guys, you know, you've heard the name Elisha. You're familiar with him. Well, let me ask you, how many of you, if I were to come in and this were a trivia contest, and it was what, what do you, can you tell me about King Joash in 2 Kings? Would we have a lot less hands? I'd have to think so. Some of you guys may know his story. You may may have be familiar with him, but I'm pretty certain that a lot more of us know of Elisha. And we know of the great things that he had done. What would you rather be remembered as? Would you rather be remembered as a king or as a politician or as an athlete or a movie star or a singer or a famous whatever it is you'd like to be known as famous for? Or would you rather go to the grave as someone who served the Lord with all their life. So remember it is somebody who made a difference in this world for Jesus Christ. Let's, let's, say, let's talk about the truth of the matter. When Elisha died, it would have left a gap, a spiritual gap in the spiritual defense of Israel. There are some people, when they pass away from this earth, the earth, a church, a community is at loss because of the real difference that that person made. They worked to make a difference in their community for Jesus Christ. They shared the gospel. They taught people how to live right before God. They were a prayer warrior. And when that person passes away, it leaves a gap in the spiritual defense of a community, of a church, of a nation. Think about that. Think about the fact that has this church, has this community, has your family lost someone who would stand in the spiritual gap and be a difference maker for Jesus Christ and for all of eternity? You probably know someone just like that. Let me ask you this. Do you know someone who is has stood up and stood in the gap that's been left? Maybe God wants you 
to make that difference in this world. Maybe he's calling you to fill in the space that's left by a person like Elisha, a prayer warrior. Can you be the person that makes that difference? Here's another. I got some today. I just had a bunch of quotes that I thought were really could could so just put the words out there better than I could. Take care of your life, and the Lord will take care of your death. George Whitefield. As we think about the legacy that we will leave, are we living for the Lord, doing things that matter? When it comes to the end, Will we be living for the Lord? Another truth that we find in the Bible. I'd like you to turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. I talked a moment ago how the New Testament, the New Testament so often compares death to sleep. This life, this body is temporary. And for those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, this world ends down here and it begins in heaven. And what an amazing time. But when we pass away, we continue in our eternal life. Let's, let's consider 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, let's, let's, actually, let's back up and let's read the whole context. Verses 15 to 17. It says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. At the end of the book of Daniel, Daniel says, he who lives righteously will shine like the stars forever. Here, here he says, he who does the will of God abides forever. If we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, and we're living, we're walking with him today, ending this life, falling asleep down here, we just get a new body. We just get a new life, and all the cares of this world are left behind. And we just keep walking with the Lord. Our life is eternal forever with Christ. How amazing. So don't get too attached to this world. Don't love the things that are here. Let heaven be your home. Kind of another thing uh, to put on your mind here and something to think about. This is a story that I grabbed from Abraham Lincoln. I'm going to put it up there on the board in a minute. But someone came and they asked Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. Are you sure, President Lincoln, that the Lord is on our side? What Abraham Lincoln said really kind of took everyone aback. They go, wait, did he just say what I think he said? And here was his answer. That is not the thing that I'm most concerned about. Could you imagine? You know, somebody comes up to the president, President Lincoln, apparently a God-fearing man, says, we're in the middle of the Civil War. 
Do you think that the Lord is on our side? And Abraham Lincoln said, it's not what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about that at all. You got to hear the rest of the story though, right? He says, what I am most anxious about is whether or not we are on the Lord's side. Because if we are on the Lord's side, that's what's important. God has promised in his word that, that he cares for his own people. He sees their affliction. He hears their requests. And he acts in their life. So as we live today, you might wonder, you know, you know, is the Lord for me? Is he going to do things? Don't, don't. The first and foremost thing that we need to be concerned about is are we on the Lord's side? He's given us the chance, the ability to choose him, that free will, to choose to be on his side, to choose Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Guess what? Jesus Christ already decided to fight for you. He already decided that he would come to this earth, lay down his life, die on a cross for your sins. The question today is, are you on his side? Are you willing to? To live your life for Jesus Christ. I put something up there. I I put the whole thing up there. The whole story. Fear God. And you will have nothing less to fear. Not even death. So the question as we come to the the end of the beginning of Elisha's death. Because we're going to look at, next week we're going to look at what's going on with those arrows. And then the third part of this is what's going on when they throw that the man into the grave with Elisha. But today I just want to, I just want to put yourself, are you ready, are you prepared to live a life like Elisha? To be like Elijah, no matter what mode you're going to leave this world. That you are on the Lord's side. That you have chosen to be a follower of Jesus Christ. He paid for your life. He paid for the penalty of your sins when he died on the cross. Will you choose to accept his free gift of salvation? Then once you have done that, to live a life worthy of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, to do good works fitting our master so that you can leave a legacy of someone who's on their way to heaven. But you have to, you have to do that first thing first. Make that first step. And believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for your sins. And three days later, just like the scriptures and he promised, he came back to life to give victory over sin and death. That's most important. Then you can begin living that legacy for the Lord.
Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I've challenged us to live for you, to live a life that is worthy of someone on their way to heaven. Lord, I pray today that everyone sitting here is prepared to leave this world. Whether it be in the rapture or whether it be through you calling us home, that we'll be prepared to see you face to face. And Lord, I pray for those of us who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that you might help us to, to live for you, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you daily, to long to hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That we might desire to stand in the gap of someone who's left this world and is home with heaven with Jesus Christ. That we'll stand up and be counted to live differently and to make a difference for those who come behind us. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of your son. I thank you for the promise of eternal life. I thank you for verses like 1 John chapter 2, 17 and Daniel chapter 12, where we know and we can have assurance that our life in Christ is eternal. Pray that you'll touch our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.